Okay. Alrighty. My mom just texted me. I just spent the weekend with my mother. It's 11.48. It's 11.49 now. Monday, March 13th. Monday the 13th. And she got here Friday afternoon. She says she's getting gas at Cathedral City Costco, which is right on highway. Good stop in Palm Springs area for gas. No traffic until I got to I-10. Went 118 to 210 to 10. Love you. I'll text back. Sounds good. Love you. Um, you're supposed to put the 118, the 210. But anyway, we had a fun weekend. Super busy. Stayed busy all Saturday, all Sunday. Watched the Oscars. That was super fun. Watching the Oscars. The Super Bowl for Hollywood. Super well-run ceremony. Just fun to watch with mom. Watching the Oscars with your mom is fun. Everything, no spoilers, but everything everywhere did well. I was correct on my prediction that everything everywhere would win Best Picture and also Best Directors. So those, the two Daniels, the two Daniels director guys, they got to speak uh, three different times. They did three speeches. They were coordinated maroon or crimson. Crimson, go Cougs, baby. Go Cougs, baby. My, speaking of the Cougs, um, well, my dad just texted me, Eastern Washington Eagles, based in Cheney, Washington, are playing... The Cougs, first round of the NIT National Invitational. The final four of that is always MSG, right? Madison Square Garden. So the Cougs are hosting the game in Pullman on tomorrow. Very good. Cougs should win that game. That's a mismatch. Big Sky at Pac-12. Mismatch. Alrighty. So. Oh, yes. So. <clears throat> I have a exciting news. That uh, I decided. So, let's see. The Cougs. Give me Cougs full schedule here. Uh, 8 p.m. tomorrow. 8 p.m. That is when me and Brett are planning on doing. Another little pod at 8 p.m. tomorrow. So, that game's on ESPNU. I don't have that channel, but I don't have cable. I just have bunny ears, as I've said. Okay. But uh, I have exciting news that I came up with as I've been brainstorming, as I haven't listened, as I speak to you, I haven't been listening to podcasts, so um, I'm just, because uh, I was uh, listening to too many, addicted, addicted to them, so um, stepped away from that, and I 
came up with an idea that I think I used to call my what did we call the listeners back in a stars born era 2019 circa 2019 starfishes right well I think it used to be starfishes then we changed the title and um, now I came up with a new idea from now on my listeners, you friendly listener, will be there here to, here to therefore, known as carnies. A, you're a carny. C a r n e y s. Carney, you're my carnies. You're a carny. Uh, it's the Arnie Pod. Um, maybe I, I don't know. I, I was thinking I had another one. No, I like carnies, actually. I'm not even going to say the, what else? Carnies. Carnies it is. So tweet me at Arnie Pod, and, uh, and then I'll start reading. I'm going to start reading audience comments on the podcast, and I'm going to start trying to get some audience participation Slash uh, integration into the show, cause uh, that's what I was thinking about since I've had more brain real estate. So I think Carney is a good. That's like a fun, uh, like uh, you know, Carney, like person that works at a carnival or circus. So that's a fun title, I think. A nickname, if you will. And I all up and coming pods, I decided I decided that was like a a big thing with because I used to I did do it back in twenty nineteen. It's been over four years now. But yeah, so I don't I don't know why I stepped away from that and then I never returned. But I decided Carney is a fun name. So let's just get into the basketball portion. My blog, thegoat1.blogspot.com, Dinwiddied, and then uh, kind of a weird face emoji, like a scrunchy face emoji. Six games were played yesterday. Spencer Dinwiddie, Brooklyn Nets. 15 points, 16 assists, 6 rebounds, 1 steal, 1 block, 5 for 15 from the field, 5 for 6 from the line. He is your player of the day. Jalen Williams, once again, the same Jalen Williams, number 8, OKC Thunder, 21 points, 10 assists, 7 rebounds, 4 offensive, 7 for 18 from the field, 1 for 4 from 3, Six for seven from a line. Dennis Smith Jr., Charlotte Hornets. Uh, 14 points, eight rebounds, seven assists, three steals, one offensive rebound. Five for 14 from the field, four for four from a line. LeBron hasn't played for a while. We have our top points getters. Trey Murphy the third. 
New Orleans Pelicans, 41. Nikola Jokic, the Joker, Denver Nugs, 35. Joker, another trying to attain his third MVP consecutive, right? He's taken the last two. I always, I can never remember the NBA MVPs for some reason. It was Joker, last two, and then Greek Freak, two in a row before that. And then I predicted that Embiid wins it this year. Which, speaking of Embiid, Joel Embiid, Philly Sixers, 34. Julius Randle, New York Knicks, 33. D'Angelo Russell, back on the LA Lakers, 33. Nikola Jokic, once again. Denver Nuggs, 20. Anthony Davis, He's playing well this season. He's been on the court more than Anthony Davis is typically on the court. Let's see. Anthony Davis had 16 rebounds. How many games has he... He's played 43 games. And uh, uh, 43 games. Let's see. 43 games. So... The Lakers are 33-35, and 35, 68 games. He's missed 25 games. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's how many games Anthony Davis misses, is that he's missed 25 games. And I said, and I think that that's like a good season for him. <laughs> that's, that's a healthy season for Anthony Davis. Because let's, let's look at... Um, Let's go back to, I was just on Anthony Davis, wasn't it? I was on his, uh, gosh, here we go, Anthony Davis. He was born 13 days prior to me, same year, literally, literally 13 days. So this is how many games Anthony Davis has played per season, Starting with last season, typically, if you don't know, they play 82 NBA games in a season. So, 40, 36, 62, 56, 75, 75, 61, 68, 67, and 64. So... Actually, not as bad as I thought. Most seasons above 60 games. Not too shabby. Not too bad, actually. Okay. Oops, I exited out of... uh... (laughs) Okay. Back to top rebounds getter. Nick Richards, Charlotte Hornets, 12. Jonas Valanciunas, New Orleans Pelicans, 12. Zach Collins, Gozegs. San Antonio Spurs, 11. Top assist getters, Spencer Dinwiddie, 16. Uh, Brooklyn Nets. James Harden, Philly Sixers, 14. Nikola Jokic, the Joker, Denver Nugs, 12, uh, 11. <laughs> CJ McCollum, New Orleans Pelicans, 11. Jalen Williams, number 8, OKC Thunder, 10. Okay. There's that. Now, your random player 
Nathan Knight. Minnesota T-Wolves wears number 13. He's a forward slash center. Uh, 6'8", 253. He's, a, he's like a tight end. 25 years old. Out of William and Mary. William and Mary. Um, I think... No, my cousin went to... Matt. Matt went to James Madison. William and Mary's the one I always get mixed up with James Madison. Okay. Uh, two years experience. Wait, yeah, William and Mary. Let's see. So he's undrafted. Two years experience. Okay. I always get those. I think they're kind of close. College of William and Mary. Let's see. It's in Williamsburg. We went to Williamsburg. That's why I'm so familiar with it. We were in Williamsburg uh, during Brett's wedding. My cousin Brett. Cousin Brett, cousin Matt, friends of the pod. Son of, sons of, Uncle Steve, friend of the pod. William and Mary. Abbreviated W and M. Founded 1693 by a royal charter issued by King William III and Queen Mary II. Is the second oldest institution. Let's see. William III of England. 1650 to 1702 he lived. Uh, The second oldest institution of higher education in the U.S., So, let's see. The nine colonial colleges. New College, which is now Harvard University. The colony, Massachusetts Bay Colony. Founded 1636. Chartered 1650. Wow, Harvard's founded in 1630. Wait, so, um... They're coming up on their 400th and what? (laughs) That blows your mind, doesn't it? That blows my mind. 400th anniversary coming up for Harvard in over a decade. Uh, yeah. Let's see. College of William and Mary. Okay, so Harvard's the oldest. There you go. You learned a new fact there. Harvard is the oldest university in um, the country. Then William and Mary. Then Collegiate School, which is now, get your guess in, it's in Connecticut, Yale. Yale, College of New Jersey. So Yale was 1701. College of New Jersey is that, you know what that one is, is Princeton. 1746, King's College is in New York, Columbia, College of, so uh, 1754, College of Philadelphia is Penn, 1740, I gotta go get my laundry and put it in the dryer, College of Rhode Island, so I'm gonna have to wrap this up soon, College of Rhode Island, 1764, Brown, not that there's anyone doing laundry at 12.04 on a Monday. 
uh, Brown, 1764. Queens College, Rutgers. That's 1766. And Dartmouth is uh, in New Hampshire, 1769. 69. Okay. So, William Mary's mascots is the Griffin. Their nickname is Tribe. They're the William and Mary Tribe. Did not know that. The newspaper is the Flat Hat. I wrote for the Daily Evergreen, if you did not know, for um, uh, Daily Evergreen at Wazoo in Pullman, Washington. Oh, they're doing the garbage out there. They're smashing the garbage cans around. Uh, Wazoo, Pullman, Washington, home of the recent Moscow, Idaho killer. Uh, what's his name? Uh, that, that guy. <laughs> the, so the Flat Hat is official student newspaper, College of William and Mary. It prints Tuesdays during the academic year. Began printing twice weekly in 2007. Since its inception in 1911, the ha Flat Hat had printed weekly before. Okay. The circulation is 1,600. I wonder what the Daily Evergreen circulation, that's the word for it. Daily Evergreen circulation? Uh, let's see. Let's see if, oh. 3,690. Wow. Dwarfs the flat hat. Not bad. Uh, okay. So you could probably search my name. Wait, let, let me just look it up. Let's see. Chris Arneson. Daily Evergreen. Let's see if I have... Um, uh... A profile, something comes up daily. Oh, yeah, nice. Looks like they got, oh, awesome. Yeah, it's the first thing that comes up. Chris Arneson, Daily Evergreen, and dailyevergreen.com. I'll just put the link. I'll put that link in the description of this episode. Yeah, I got a lot of my, they got a lot of my articles up there. Very nice. Very nice. Very nice. Alrighty. So, let's go back to... Uh, so, the student population at William & Mary, 9,500. That's tiny. That's smaller than Western. Western Washington, where I spent... How long was that at Western? A year and a half. Okay. So let's go back to... We're not done with Nathan Knight. Minnesota T-Wolves. Undrafted. Two years. Out of the USA. 3.8 points. One and a half rebounds. 0. 0.4 assists. His PIE is 7.8. But... I, th I think I've looked that up before, but I don't even remember what it means. Let's see. 
Um, player impact estimate is a metric to gouge a player's all-around contribution to the game. Almost all statistical categories in the box score are involved in the PIE formula. It answers what percent of the events in the game each player contributed. So, that's from NBAStuffer.com, which sounds like a fake website. I don't know. Okay. Interesting. So now we can start saying the player impact estimate is listed right there. I look at the NBA.com stats page for each player. So that's your random player for today. Now your USA state bird of the state of Iowa. The birth state of my dad, friend of the pod, Uncle Steve, friend of the pod, and Aunt Joss. Has not been on the podcast. Don't know if she's ever listened. But I know grandma's listened though. Gra- <laughs> My grandma's listened. <laughs> Mother of Uncle Steve and Dad. Grandma located, Grandma Arnie. Grandma Arnie Pod <laughs> located in uh, Rapid City, South Dakota, which I was just there in August, which I hope to. Hopefully I'll get back to Rapid City when I get up to the Northwest this summer. Because my sister's wedding, I got a sister's wedding. I got a sister, I only have one sister, but she's got a wedding in October, which will be here before you know it. Uh, okay. Um, let's see. Yeah, so hopefully I get to, I'll, I'll do a Great Falls, Montana, visit Grandpa and the family. And then hit Rapid City. Go see Grandma Arnie and Aunt Joss. And now report back. Or report from the road. Alrighty. So Iowa. Yeah, go Hawkeyes. I think they may have all been born in different towns. My dad was Mason City, Iowa. I believe Uncle Steve was Marshalltown. Iowa? I don't know about Aunt Joss. Alright, Iowa. Eastern Goldfinch, which is the American Goldfinch. Spinus Tristis. 1933. And it's a mostly yellow, black wing, black head. It's a cool looking bird. Alright, looks like a the Pittsburgh Steelers mascot bird. Okay, let's do... Uh... Oh, my mom brought me a, a journal. I asked if she could bring me a notebook. Because I ran out of notebooks. And it's a mermaids are real. She brought me a mermaid journal. <laughs> kind of like, reminds me of... Now that I look at it, it reminds me of... Um... Starbucks, because that's what I think of when I think of mermaid, Starbucks, all right, because I haven't been to Starbucks, I hadn't been to Starbucks since before Christmas, before yesterday, 
we went, me, well, just because my mom took me. Just because my mom paid. <laughs> just because, uh, oh, and I, yeah, because I'm not going to spend my own money on Starbucks. I realized I was wasting so much money on Starbucks. And I could just buy the Kirkland cans, signature cold brew, the silver cans with the tiger on them. Those are very good. Cut it with some milk. Love that. Okay. Um, yes. Those come out to like a dollar thirty per can. And the thing I get from Starbucks is I think it's like five twenty five at the one right over on the corner. So uh yeah, yeah. Um yeah, it's a ripoff, you know? If you're going, if you're going to Starbucks, it's crazy it's craziness. But this is it was more of an addiction just to like going in there and it's fun. It's like a it's like it's like fun for I don't know. Just it's an exciting way to start the morning to pop into a Starbucks store and but then but then I also like preparing my own coffee now cuz I can make it the way I want to make it versus you're like get a little annoyed if they uh, oh here goes a cop there goes a chopper uh there it goes coming to you live from the Van Nuys airport near the Van Nuys airport so yeah I don't I, the thing that annoys me at Starbucks is if they like the worst is like if they don't fill it up all the way or something and then you have to ask for them to correct it and that's annoying okay so Churchill Let's see. And then Starbucks is so much more expensive. They keep raising the prices. It's gotten way more expensive than it was a decade ago. It's a ripoff. But it's it's fast food coffee now. Yeah. 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 And people people get like milkshakes there and all. I get the nitro cold brew. I love the nitro cold brew. Used to go with the just the basic iced coffee, just a black iced coffee. No ice. Bring my own ice in with milk. But now I go for the nitro cold brew. I mean, I've talked about that. You guys know. <laughs> but I love the nitro cold brew. Oh my gosh. All right. Uh, but it's, it's too good. The cold, the basic cold brew from from Costco is not bad. It's not. It's good actually. I like it. I like it. All right. So let's do Churchill. Let me wet my whistle. So we have, we're on page 26 of this book. The section is defeat. Although always prepared for martyrdom, I prefer that it shall be postponed. There is only one answer to defeat, and that is victory. Defeat is one thing, disgrace is another. Footnote, said about the British defeat at Tobruk in Egypt in 1942. Never heard of Tobruk. Whenever it's near the pyramids, 
Next section, defense. When nations are strong, they're not always just, and when they wish to be just, they're no longer strong. I hope that I shall never see the day when the force is right is the force of right is deprived of the right of force. The Romans had a maxim, sharpen your weapons and limit your frontiers. But our maxim seems to be to be diminish your weapons and increase your obligations. I cannot subscribe to the idea that it might be possible to dig ourselves in and make no preparations for anything else than passive defense. It is the theory of the turtle. (laughs) That reminds me that me and my mom just went and saw the Santa Clarita turtles yesterday, which was because we spent the day up in Santa Santa Clarita, the SCV yesterday. Valencia, Newhall, then up to North Valencia, I guess, or Magic Mountain area. But yeah, we saw we saw two sets of turtles. You you go and see the turtles up in Bridgeport. I think I swear Bridgeport's the neighborhood. The, the by the CPK by the California Pizza Kitchen. You got a set of turtles there, and then you got a set of turtles at the mall, which is just down the road. Alrighty, deficit. There are two ways in which a gigantic debt may be spread over new decades and future generations. There's the right and healthy way, and there's the wrong and morbid way. The wrong way is to fail to make the utmost provision for amortization, which which prudence allows to aggravate the burden of the debt by fresh borrowing to live from hand to mouth and from year to year, and to exclaim with Louis, the, what is this, the XVI. God, I'm bad at Roman numerals. Reminds me of that Simpsons episode. (laughs) The Simpsons episode where Bart is stuck in the, with the tigers, and he has to do the Roman numerals. And then he uses the Rocky movies to remember Roman numerals. So... X, V, I, uh, X is 10, V is 5, that's 16. After me, the deluge. And then there's delay. I just want to finish this page. I like finishing the page. Delay, a policy which hopes to succeed by postponing occasions can hardly hope to resist the whirlwind. If we go on waiting upon events, how much shall... We throw away our resources now available for our security. Then deliberation. There is, therefore, wisdom in reserving one's decisions as long as possible and until all the facts and forces that will be potent at the moment are revealed. What is this word? Demagoguery. Oh, like a demagogue, right? Uh... Demagoguery? I don't think I've ever seen that word. Social distinction was always the highest ambition of the demagogue. Yeah. Democracy democracy is no harlot to be picked up on the street by a man with a Tommy gun. 
where there is a great deal of free speech, there is always a certain amount of foolish speech. We depend on the private soldier of the British democracy. We place our trust in the loyal heart of Britain. Our faith is founded upon the rock of the wage-earning population of this island, which has never yet been appealed to by duty and chivalry in vain. And then this next bullet point is actually circled by the person who purchased this book. And they... uh, yeah, actually, let's see. They wrote something at the on the first page here. So this book was published in 1994, the year after I was born. So this person purchased the book in 2011, the year I graduated from high school, from Bothell High. The same high school Zach Levine went to which I say every time I read his name in the leader categories, uh, which has been often lately. Zach's been playing well. So 2011, let's see, I'm going to read this. This person's handwriting is bad. They wrote it in green. It's by Molly. Oh, no. Yeah, Molly Molly wrote this. Stan, it's like the Eminem song. Stan. <laughs> how does that song go? Uh, I can't remember how. Wait, how does Stan go? I know I know that. Oh, and it's not so bad. It's not so bad. Is that that song? Hey, mom, hey, mom. And it's not so bad. It's not so bad. I think it might be that song. Let's see. Stan. There's a long version. The long version's eight minutes long. This is a a free ad for Vivo here. Okay, I guess there's no words in the ad. Ah, Stan. The short version. I'm just gonna hop into the song a little bit. Oh no, the leaf blower's coming. Wait, so maybe I'll pause it. I'm gonna pause it and go get my laundry. Leaf blower's kinda. Alright. Yeah. Yeah. I was right. Ha ha. Ha ha. Jack Miller. Ha ha. This song rocks. Yep. <clears throat> okay. Back. Back from break. Took care of a lot of business. Finished up laundry. Now it's 3.38. 3.39 p.m. Took a shower. Do my laundry. Still folding. Ate half a donut. Chocolate chips. Chocolate filling. Chocolate chips. Brody Stevens. Rosita adjacent. 
Okay, so we watched the Oscars last night, <clears throat> as I said, and Jimmy Kimmel mentioned a joke that my mom had to look up. We didn't quite understand the joke at first. He said we should, he joked about adding Robert Blake. Let <clears throat> me wet my whistle. Robert Blake. To the uh, in memoriam, and so my mom looked up Robert Blake. Well, actually, I think she knew who he was already. Uh, born September eighteenth, nineteen ninety, nineteen thirty three. Died March ninth, twenty twenty three. So, whoa. Um, Today's the 13th. So what day was the 9th? Thursday. Passed away on Thursday. <clears throat> Known for roles in 1967 film In Cold Blood and the 70s U.S. TV series Beretta. Born in Nutley, New Jersey. That's a funny name for a town. Nutley? Is it like overrun with squirrels? Squirrels? I haven't mentioned for a while that there's black squirrels in Pullman, where I used to live, when I started the podcast. As I mentioned earlier this episode, lots of squirrel talk. Speaking of rodents, my mom got, we were at Walmart the this weekend. <clears throat> My mother purchased me some, a couple, a pair of, uh, you know, laundry drying balls, I guess you call them. Uh, wait, I'm going to go grab one. Oh, it's not bouncy. thought it might be a little more bouncy. They're little drying balls. Got a raccoon face on it. So, I got that here. I got a couple of those. You're supposed to put them in the dryer. I don't know what it's supposed to do. Let's see. Then we'll read about Nutley, New Jersey. Let's see. Uh, drying balls. <laughs> Let's see. What are they? What do they do? Is what I want to know. What do they do? <clears throat> you know? Uh, how they work. The benefits. Wikihow.com Dryer balls are the new big thing when it comes to easy, eco-friendly laundry. But how do they work? Dryer balls are super simple. They dry your laundry faster. Take away static cling and soften your clothes. We put together a handy guide how to use uh, how dryer balls work, how to use them, where the benefits are. They separate wet clumps of clothes as they tumble around. This allows hot air to circulate more freely between garments in your dryer, reducing the time it takes to dry your load. The balls also collect lint and naturally soften f 
fabrics as they tumble around, reducing static cling and stiff clothes without chemicals or perfumes. Wool dryer balls <clears throat> are the most popular. That's what these are. I believe that's a... kind of feels like felt. It's either felt or wool. Uh, they're hypoallergenic. Like hypoallergenic dogs. Have you heard of those? Are hypoallergenic dogs real? That, that's what I want to know. Does such a thing really exist? Uh, AKC.org. I think that's American Kennel, maybe. Truth is, truth is there are no 100% hypoallergenic dogs. There are many dog breeds that are less allergenic for people with dog allergies. <clears throat> so there you go. Uh, ew. <laughs> ew, that was gross. I just had like a, a mom <clears throat> mother hair. Yeah, that's so gross. Ah, uh, mom hair. <laughs> it was just like on my phone or something. Why are, I don't know. It's a mom hair. All right. 100% wool dryer balls contain no chemicals, dyes, or fillers. Plastic and rubber balls may contain PVCs and other substances. Okay. How many are you supposed to use? <clears throat> For a medium-sized load, use three or four dryer balls. But I only have two. Guess I gotta go buy... <laughs> no, they had, they had other... They had like foxes and dogs and uh, panda. Uh, add wet clothes to the dryer. Add essential oil to wool dryer balls if you want to scent your laundry. Spray wool dryer balls with water to prevent static cling. Add three or four dryer balls and start the dryer. This is lots of good tips. This is life hacks. Reduce the normal drying time by up to 25% when you set the cycle. Replace wool dryer balls when they look scraggly. Uh, <clears throat> okay. Uh, okay, very good. That's enough dryer ball talk. That's enough laundry talk. <clears throat> Nutley, New Jersey. Essex County. Which part of the state is... Oh, it's a suburb of NYC. Nutley, New Jersey. It's a township. What's a township? I have so many questions. What is a township? Uh... A township, a unit of local government in some northeastern and north central states. A division of territory in surveys of U.S. public land containing 36 square miles, about 93 square kilometers. 
Very good. And that's, yeah, that's interesting. It has to be exactly 36 square miles. <laughs> that's so specific. Okay. So, uh, the area of Nutley, Nutley, New Jersey, what's the area? Uh, it says 3.42 square miles. What? Okay, well, whatever. In the population, as of 2020, well, wow, the population went down in their estimate. 2020, they have that 30,143. And then an estimate for the next year, 2021, they have 29,786. So people are moving out of Nutley, New Jersey. If you're listening from Nutley, New Jersey, uh, tweet me at ArniePod. Um... If you're considering moving out of Nutley, New Jersey, let me know why. I'm curious why people are leaving Nutley. Okay. So, oh, back to Robert Blake. I was going to get into, let me get into this Robert Blake thing. So, Robert Blake, uh, in March of 05, Robert Blake was tried and acquitted for the 01 murder of his second wife, Bonnie Lee Bakley, in November of 2005. He was found liable in a California civil court for her wrongful death. So, I'll kind of just explain the whole thing. But basically what my mom said, my mom explained it to me. She said... She said, that's what she said, that um, basically he didn't go to jail, but civilly he, he got in trouble, um, got in trouble, if you will. But they said found liable in civil court. So I'll get into it, but I, I don't think he went to jail, but I think she's saying that Everybody knew that he, um, people were saying that he uh, murdered his second wife, Bonnie Lee Bakley. <clears throat> On May 4th, May the 4th be with you, 2001, Robert Blake took Bakley out for dinner at Vitello's Italian restaurant in Studio City, California. Bakley was fatally shot in the head while sitting in Blake's vehicle, which was parked on a side street around the corner from the restaurant. Blake claimed that he had returned to the restaurant to collect a pistol, which he had left inside, and said that he had not been present when the shooting took place. The pistol Blake left in the restaurant was found and determined by police not to be the uh, weapon for the murder. So his arrest. On April 18th, 2002, Blake was arrested and charged with Bakley's murder. His longtime bodyguard, Earl Caldwell, was also arrested and charged with conspiracy in connection with the murder. 
a key event that gave the LAPD the confidence to arrest Blake. Oh, so I guess he did get arrested then. Uh, came when a retired stuntman, Ronald Duffy Hambleton, agreed to testify against him. A, a retired stuntman. I thought stuntman didn't retire. <laughs> they just die on the, mostly just somehow something happens, you know? Like Evil Knievel. What, how did Evil Knievel pass? Did, isn't it, would it be kind of, is it ironic if Evil Knievel died by natural causes? Is that ironic? Is that the definition of ironic? Or, um, let's see how he passed. Suffered from, so he, Evil Knievel passed away in Clearwater, Florida, November 30th, 2007, at 69 years old. He had been suffering from diabetes and idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis for many years. A longtime friend reported that Knievel had trouble breathing while at his residence in Clearwater, but died on the way to the hospital. The friend said, it's been coming for years, but you just don't expect it. Superman just doesn't die, right? In one of his last interviews, Evil Knievel said to Maxim Magazine, uh, let's see, you can't ask a guy like me why I performed. I really wanted to fly through the air. I was a daredevil, a performer. I love the thrill, the money, the whole macho thing. All those things made me evil Knievel. Sure, I was scared. You got being asked not to be scared. But I beat the hell out of death. You're in the air for four seconds. You're part of the machine. And then if you make a mistake mid-air, you say to yourself, Oh boy, I'm going to crash. And there's nothing you can do to stop it. Not at all. Knievel was buried at Mountain View Cemetery. In his hometown of Butte, Montana. Wow. <laughs> we were just talking about Butte the other day. On one of the episodes. Uh, just talking about Porkchop Jones. Butte, Montana. City on the hill. Um, buried December 10th of 07. Following a funeral at the 7500 seat Butte Civic Center, presided over by Robert H. Schuller with actor Matthew McConaughey giving the eulogy. Wow. Learned something new there. Matthew McConaughey. All right, all right, all right. Go ahead and jump on over that that uh, Snake River Canyon. Uh, that's, that's so... Is it random? Pretty random. What's the connection, Matthew? Maybe he's just a big fan. I don't know the connection McConaughey has to to um, evil. Uh, before the Monday service, fireworks exploded in the Butte night sky as Paul Bearers carried evil's casket into the center. Let's see. Butte Civic Center. 7,500 seats, multi-purpose arena, open 1952, hosts local sporting events and concerts, as well as political events, 
home of the Continental Basketball Association's Butte Daredevils. <sighs> need to take a breath. <laughs> Sometimes I just need to take a breath in these in these solo solo ones and wet my whistle. All right. Um, <clears throat> all right. Uh, the CBA, originally known as the Eastern Pennsylvania Basketball League. Later, as the Eastern Professional Basketball League, Eastern Basketball Association, oh, it's defunct. It was uh, from 1946 to 09. Alright. What were the teams, though? Let's see. Lots of teams. Oh my goodness. This is going to be quite the list. <laughs> Get ready. Buckle up for this. Here we go. Alrighty. The Albany Patroons. Wow. That's a... What's a Patroon? That's an interesting name. Gosh. Let's see. So many... Patroon. Patroon. Uh... Captain or officer commanding a ship. Proprietor of a manorial estate, especially in New York, originally granted under Dutch rule, but in some cases existing until the mid-19th century word history etymology. Oh, I think that last part was just word (laughs) word history etymology. That last part was just, uh... All right, a landholder in New Netherland who, under Dutch colonial rule, was, yeah, 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 granted proprietary and manorial rights to a large tract of land in exchange for bringing 50 new settlers to the colony. Patroon. Uh, oh, yeah, that reminds me of the In Memoriam was, what's the actor who played... Hagrid. Don't you know, Harry? You're a wizard. My mom kept saying that. She's that was her quote. Don't you know, Harry? You're a wizard. Uh Hagrid actor. Robbie Coltrane was in the in memoriam. Past October fourteenth, twenty twenty two, and he was seventy two years old. From Rutherglen, Scotland, passed in Larbert, Scotland. Alma mater, Glasgow School of Arts. All right, very good. What else did, what else did he do other than um, Harry? He has tons of credits. Wow, way too many credits to look at. I'm more interested in these CBA teams here. Capital Region Pontiacs. Whatever the capital region is. Hartford Hellcats. Oh, yeah. Hellcat is a fun nickname. And the Connecticut Pride. Oh, so Capital Region is obviously the nickname for Connecticut area. Albany Patroons. Once again, I guess. Alberta Dusters. There's going to be lots of fun nicknames here. 
Vegas Silvers, Albuquerque Silvers, Allentown Jets, Lehigh Valley Jets, Anchorage Northern Knights, the Atlanta Crunk. Oh, that's a great one. The At- oh, also known as the Augusta Groove. But also the Charlotte Crunk. Crunk. <laughs> what? <laughs> what I what is that word? I don't know if I've ever even heard that word. Uh K R U N K. What's crunk even mean? Oh, okay. I guess I'm just really white, you know. Uh, especially energetic style of hip-hop incorporates electronic sounds and synthesizers. Oh, it uh, originated in the southern U.S. Lil Jon. Uh, yeah! <laughs> what? What? Yeah! What? <laughs> uh, get low. Lil John's Get Low. That's often credited with popularizing crunk. Alright. Uh, Baltimore Metros. Mohawk Valley Thunderbirds. Utica Olympics. Atlantic City High Rollers. The Butte Daredevils. After, named after our man Evil Knievel. Dakota Wizards, Detroit Spirits, Savannah Spirits, Tulsa Fast Breakers. Ooh, the Fast Breakers is a great name. For a basketball team, the Fast... That's my favorite one so far. The Fast Breakers. Wasn't Fast Break... Um, I think that's a show that Bill Simmons would often talk about, if I'm not... Oh, it's a movie. 1979, uh, sports comedy film, directed by Jack Smite, stars Gabe Kaplan as David Green, Harold Sylvester as DC, and Bernard King as Hustler. Bernard King played for the uh, New Jersey Nets. Oh, so that was ABA. I think he started in the ABA then. Played for the New Jersey Nets, then the Utah Jazz, then the Golden State Warriors. I think he's known, Bernard King is most known as a New York Knick, uh, 1982 to 87. But then he spent actually more time with the Washington Bullets, 87 to 93. And then he retired as a New Jersey Net in 1993 at the age of, born December 4th, 1956. So I guess he was 36 when he retired. Bernard King, from Brooklyn, New York, and college, UT Vols, Tennessee, one of the best, one of the biggest college football stadiums out there. My parents were just in uh, Knoxville. I, yeah, they told me 
about they uh, saw the stadium, drove through there. Went that was back in October for cousin Matt's wedding over there in North Carolina. Okay, so fast break. It was Gabe Kaplan's big screen debut, although he had made earlier appearances on sitcoms and movies. And it was one of the first film appearances of Lawrence Fishburne. I think he used to go by... I wonder if he used to go by... Yeah, usually credited as Larry Fishburne until 1993. Lawrence Fishburne. Speaking of speaking of the South, Lawrence Fishburne is from Augusta, Georgia. Okay, fast break. What was the premise of this? Uh, this film also featured the hit song, With You, I'm Born Again by Billy Preston and Sarita, which was released in November of 1979, peaked at number four on the Billboard Hot 100. The duo also recorded the film's theme song, Go For It, released as a single in April of the same year. The film's soundtrack was released by Motown Records. Smite called it a very funny and profitable film. What was the box office then? Um, let's see. The film did well at the box office, grossing about $9.5 million in domestic rentals in its first six months of release, against a budget of no more than $3.5 million. All right. Yeah, that is really good for 1979. In 1979 money... Okay, the plot of this film, David Green is a basketball fan living in Brooklyn, alternates his time between playing in his, I'm going to get, I'm going to wet my whistle again, Mm. Uh, playing in a neighborhood pickup game and managing a delicatessen, formerly a junior high uh, coach dreams of making his living coaching basketball has sent numerous letters to colleges in hope of fulfilling that dream much to the chagrin of his long-suffering wife Jan who wants only to buy a home and start a family just when David thinks his dream will forever elude him he's offered a dubious job coaching the men's basketball team at uh, Cadwallader University, a fictional Nevada college. The job only pays $60 for each win. Six, that's a funny way to measure it. 60 bucks per win. I mean, once again, 60 bucks in 1979, that's still a chunk of change. David is promised a lucrative contract if he can lead Cadwallader to victory over Nevada State, another fictional college, one of the top ten uh, teams in the country. David accepts the job, unable to convince his wife to join him in the cross-country quest. 
David's marriage is therefore threatened as he pursues his dream. David begins building his team with his friend Hustler, Bernard King, a talented baller and pool ace whose own fortunes turn sour when his pigeons realize they have been sharked. His pigeons, whatever that means. Uh, David and Hustler recruit Preacher, uh, who also has good reason to escape the situation, as there's a contract out on him for having impregnated a powerful cult leader's 15-year-old daughter. Hmm. Next, David and Hustler ferret out Hustler's acquaintance, D.C., whom David recognizes as a former high school star who has traded his chance at a basketball glory to run numbers. Finally, David and Hustler visit Swish, a female finesse player with a great jump shot. David convinces the androgynous Swish to pose as a male in order to play on the team. So it's kind of like a... uh, She's the man... I don't know. (laughs) Uh, She's the man situation. Wait, what's what was she's the man? What was that one? My was that Amanda Bynes? She's the man. And then there was the one in the yeah, that was Amanda Bynes. There was the one in the eighties. No, there was one in the eighties with C. Thomas Howell that I was thinking of. I guess he he just had... That's the one where he played a, a black guy. What was the one with C. Thomas Howe? <sighs> there was She's the Man. There's Soul Man. Soul Man was 1986. Yeah, C. Thomas Howe's stars as a white law student who pretends to be black in order to qualify for a scholarship. Okay. She's the man. Rom-com teen sports film directed by Andy Fickman starring Amanda Bynes, Channing Tatum, Laura Ramsey, Vinnie Jones, David Cross, Lots of David Cross action lately. Been I've been seeing him making. I wonder what he's promoting. Let's see what he's up to. Like he must be starring in something. He has controversies. Wow. David Cross. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Let's look into this. This is. He has a lengthy um, controversy page on his Wikipedia. Let's see. It sounds kind of familiar, but I don't think I've ever looked into this. Was sued by Nashville club manager Thomas Weber, accused Cross of supposedly taping him without permission. Uh, okay, so, okay. He taped a guy without his permission in the comedy club. 2012 interview with Playboy. Cross revealed he had done a small amount of cocaine at the 2009 White House Correspondents' Dinner. He said, it wasn't like I got high. It was just about being able to say that I did it, that I did cocaine in the same room as the president. That's like, 
What a weird guy. Uh, in October 2017, he apologized to actor-comedian Charlene Yee for racially insensitive comments he had made toward Yee in the mid-2000s. Okay. Um, August 2018, members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, that's Mormons, right, protested against a photo that David, oh, my upstairs neighbor's smashing around stuff, that uh, David Cross tweeted of himself wearing Mormon religious undergarments. Okay. And then he has a criticisms and feuds section. <laughs> so I guess he has uh, he has beef with Larry the Cable Guy. Um, in April of 05, Cross criticized Larry the Cable Guy in a Rolling Stone interview saying it's a lot of anti-gay racist humor which people like in America all couched in I'm telling it like it is he's right he's in the right place at the right time for that G shucks proud to be a redneck I'm just a straight shooter multimillionaire in cut off flannel selling ringtones act that's how you can tell it's 2005 that's super dated <laughs> that that he said uh, selling ringtones. That's such a 2005 thing. So that's where we are as a nation now. We're in a state of vague American values and anti-intellectual pride. In response, Larry devoted a chapter of his book "Get Her Done" to David Cross, the PC left, and he said that Cross had supposedly. Screwed with my fans. It was time for me to say something. Larry claimed that Rolling Stone was baiting comedians to attack him. And they they turned to Cross only after Lewis Black refused. As uh, Larry and Black are good friends. Cross responded with an open letter to Larry the Cable Guy. Posted on his website. He continued to mock Larry in his stand-up satirizing blue-collar TV during a guest appearance on Wonder Chosen. That sounds familiar. Wonder Chosen. An adult sketch comedy show aired 05 and 06 on MTV2 created by Vernon Chapman and John Lee. Huh. What? Interesting. Described as a children's TV show for adults. The show's format is a parody of uh, PBS Kids shows such as Sesame Street and The Electric Company. Uh, E.G., which now we know E.G., I said the other day, means, uh, for example, and I.E. means in other words. So E.G., use of stock footage, puppetry, and clips of children being interviewed, in addition to general controversial comedy, it satirizes politics 
religion, war, sex, and culture with black comedy. Aired March 11th, 05 to May 19th, 06. Okay. And then Cross has a James Lipton beef inside the actor's studio. James Lipton. Is he still with us? Nope. James Lipton passed away March 2nd, 2020. Wow. He, right before the world changed. March 2nd of 2020. 93 years old, though. He's from Detroit. Passed away in NYC. Hosted inside the actor's studio. Debuted in 94. Retired from the show in 2018. Uh, Dean Emeritus of the Actors Studio Drama School at Pace University in New York City. What's a emeritus? An adjective used to designate a retired chair, professor, pastor, bishop, pope, director, okay. Uh, all right. In some cases, the term is conferred automatically upon all persons who retire at a given rank but in others, it remains a mark of distinguished service awarded selectively on retirement. Okay. Wow, 93 years old for James Lipton. That is a good life. But what was a David Cross what was a David Cross beef for them? On a Mr. Show sketch in his stand-up performance, The Pride is Back calling him pretentious. Lipton thought that Cross's impression of him was not good-natured, would later appear alongside Cross in Arrested Development and the recurring role of prison warden Stefan Gentiles. During filming, Cross was impressed with Lipton's acting and comedic ability, and the two became good friends. On one commentary track for season four of Mr. Show, Cross discussed the encounter, complimenting Lipton for his professionalism and performance, saying that he liked Lipton personally, but still didn't care for Inside the Actor's Studio. Wow, he has so much different controversies. Then he has a big Alvin the Chipmunks and the Chipmunks thing. Responding to critics of his decision to appear in the critically panned but commercially successful Alvin and the Chipmunks, Cross said the film paid for a summer cottage and more than all my other projects combined. Book, TV show, the two pilots, year one, yeah, <laughs> yeah at the end. Although he has admitted to taking the role primarily for money, Cross has said that he does not regret doing so or consider it to be selling out as he has nothing against entertainment design uh, for children that does not send a bad message to the public. Cross reprised his Chipmunks role in two of the film's sequels, Alvin and the Chipmunks' The Squeakquel and Alvin and the Chipmunks' Chipwrecked. Chipwrecked's a funny one. That's a funny, funny uh, pun. 
Cross described Chipwrecked as literally, without a question, the most unpleasant experience I've ever had in my professional life. Accused an unidentified producer of anti-Semitism and of mistreating him, Cross was also forced at legal gunpoint to spend a week shooting footage on a carnival cruise, which Cross argued was pointless since he had no lines and was unrecognizable in a pelican suit. Wow. They could have hired me to do that job, you know? I do background. They could have just put a, a background guy who's built like David Rock, uh, David uh, Cross. Put him in a pelican suit. That seems like a waste of money. That costs Cross a 150 grand uh, bonus for violating his non-disparagement clause by discussing his grievances publicly. And finally, he has a Scott Stapp section. Cross has been critical of several pop music acts in his stand-up comedy. Notably, Creed and its lead singer, Scott Stapp. Scott Stapp. From Orlando. Oh, I was a big Creed fan. I had that Human Clay album. With arms wide open. Oh yeah, and the other one. Can you take, can you take me higher to a place where lies can be? Can you take me higher to a place where lies can be? It's over. That's a great song. In life on this sick, come on, let's go there. Let's come on and hey. Can you take me higher? I love that song. And the other one, too. With arms wide open. With arms wide open. That's a great one. Okay. Oh man, that got me. That got me all pumped up. I'll wet my whistle again. All right. <sighs> Take a breath. All right. Uh, Scott Stab. Scott Stab. David Cross referred to Creed. Is the third worst band in history. I wonder what his two worst bands in history are. And maligned the group's pop sensibilities for being too ubiquitous, suggesting that Stapp hung around 10th grade girls' locker rooms to find inspiration for his song lyrics. Cross then relates an anecdote about Stapp being a last-minute replacement for another celebrity at a taping of Celebrity Poker Showdown in 2003. Celebrity, they're used. That's when uh, poker was big back in the aughts, the early aughts. So, celebrity poker showdown five seasons from December of 03 
to July of 06. They squeezed five seasons in there. Dave Foley, Phil Gordon, Phil Hellmuth, who I remember from Cheap Seats. Uh, he was he used to always wear funny shirts, I think. The Scholar Brothers would make fun of uh, Phil Hellmuth a lot. Was, he was a great character. Kevin Pollack from Usual Suspects. Robert Thompson. Okay. So that's that one. Uh, let's see. Cross became concerned that a confrontation would take place since he had <clears throat> said the most awful shit about Stapp on stage and in print. Cross said that as the taping was preparing to commence, he approached Stapp and extended his hand, introducing himself, and that Stapp shook his hand and sarcastically intoned, Thanks for the words. To which Cross replied, well, you know. And then what happened? <laughs> that's just the end, of, that's the end of the section right there. That just doesn't seem like the end of the story. There must have, there must have been more words exchanged. Okay. Let's just roll through the rest of these. I'll just announce the rest of these CBA teams and then... Uh, wrap this up here. Then we'll do Seinfeld. The Tulsa Zone, Fargo, Moorhead, Fever, Mexico City, Aztecas. Uh, Azteca, good restaurant. San Diego, Wildcards. East Kentucky, Miners. Evansville, Thunder. Fargo, Moorhead, Bees. Bees with a Z. The Flint Fuse. The Great Lakes Storm. The Flint Pros. The Flint Badwater. No, I'm just kidding. The Fort Wayne Fury, Gary Steelheads. Gary Steelhead sounds like a... He sounds like a relief pitcher for the Minnesota Twins in 1982. Gary Steelhead. And he rides the bullpen cart. He takes the bullpen cart in from the outfield. What would his intro music? <laughs> What's Gary Steelhead's intro music? Uh, probably um Metallica. Or um how can I not think of like a single 80s song, you know? 70s song? Something Pink Floyd maybe? Money, money by Pink Floyd. That'd be a good one. Just he's he's riding in the bullpen car. <laughs> Gary Steelhead is he? No, he drives. Gary Steelhead. He drives the, the bullpen car. And then Money by Pink Floyd plays, and that's his song. It's just the the you know the cash registers, all the sound effects. Just that part of the song is going on. <sighs> Grand Rapids Hugh the Hoops, the Grand Rapids Mackers, a Macker. That sounds like someone like a a player, you know, a Macker, someone who macks a lot. The Grand Rapids Hoops once again. The Great Falls Explorers. Uh, actually, I learned about this team at the History Museum in Great Falls. 
So I saw some Great Falls Explorers memorabilia. The Hawaii Volcanoes, the Billings Volcanoes. Well, the Billings Volcanoes doesn't make sense. There's no volcanoes in Montana, are there? The Idaho Stampede, Indiana Alley Cats, Jersey Shore Bullets. It should have been the Jersey Shore, like, tank tops. Or Jersey Shore, you know, muscle tees, sunscreen, t-shirt shop, boardwalk. Ooh, the Jersey Shore Boardwalks. That would have been a way better name. Come on. Boardwalk Empire. The Jersey Shore Boardwalks? That's a great name. The Kansas City Sizzlers? That just sounds like a restaurant. That sounds like a chain of restaurants. The Topeka Topeka Sizzlers? Yakima's, uh, Yakima, Washington? The Yakima Sun Kings? The Lancaster Red Roses? That's interesting. The Red Roses. What is, is the meaning of that? Because I swear, I don't know why I know this, but let's see. Little Skies. Let's see. Little Skies. Uh, okay. So Little Skies is from, he's a rapper. He is 24 years old from Waynesboro, Pennsylvania. So he's probably from near Lancaster, and one of his biggest songs is called Red Roses. So um, I wonder if that's like a shout out to to uh, the Lancaster Red Roses, who played from 1978 to 80. I wonder if that's a nod to them. It's a good song though. Little Skies is good. Little Skies has some bangers. Okay, the Philadelphia Kings, the Philly Kings, the Lancaster Lightning, the Baltimore Lightning, and the Rockford Lightning. The Louisville Catbirds, the Lacrosse Catbirds, the Pittsburgh Piranhas. I think they were just going for alliteration there. The Maine Lumberjacks, the Bay State Bomb Bombardiers, Pensacola Tornadoes, Birmingham Bandits, Rochester Renegade, Harrisburg Hammerheads, the Michigan Mayhem, Minot Skyrockets, Minot, North Dakota. The Montana Golden Nuggets. So, they also played in Great Falls. From 80 to 83. At the Four Seasons Arena. Uh, let's see. Four Seasons. What's the capacity of this place? It's for basketball, just over 5,000. For a concert, they fit 5,900 in there. For a rodeo, 4,100. So, um, constructed in 1979 in Great Falls, 
so in 79, so the year before my mother graduated from Great Falls High School. So uh, that was like the hot new thing when she was back then. Served primarily as an ice rink until 05. The failure of the practice rink's refrigeration system in 2003 and the management's decision to close the main rink in 2006 led the facility's reconfiguration as an indoor sports and exhibition space. In November of 2018, the Cascade County Commission, in conjunction with the Great Falls TIBD and the Great Falls Lodging Association, began to develop a plan to replace the arena. At a cost of $86 million, that's a lot in Great Falls, Montana money, the exchange rate, the, <laughs> the Great Falls exchange rate, $86 million for Great that that could buy you a lot in Great, Great Falls. The proposed arena will seat between 10,000 and 12,000 people. The bond is expected to go before voters in November of 2019. So, I, um, possible renovations. Seems like uh, it's still up in the air as to what may happen there. Okay. Um, I, I also remember the, uh, the golden nuggets that, uh, from the museum there. So we have, where were we here? We were on the Montana Golden Nuggets, Puerto Rico Coquis, the main wind, the wind jammers. Wow. Hmm. Wonder what a wind jammer is. Ohio Mixers, Cincinnati Slammers, Cedar Rapids Silver Bullets, Tri-City Chinook, Oklahoma Calvary, Lawton Fort Sill Calvary, OKC Calvary, the Pittsburgh Explosion, the Quad City Thunder, the Reno Bighorns, the Rio Grande Valley Silverados, uh, Chevy Silverados, the Rochester Zeniths, Zeniths, the Rockford Lightning, the San Jose Jammers, Bakersfield Jammers, Santa Barbara Islanders, Sarasota Stingers, the Florida Stingers, the Charleston Gunners, the Columbus Horizon, the Shreveport Crawdads, or they down there in Shreveport, the Crawdads. Come on now, Crawdad. Come on now, Crawdad. Shoot that ball there from three-point land. The Shreveport Storm. The Sioux Falls Sky Force. The Saskatchewan Hawks. Oh, come on, Hawks. Let's go, Hawks. Let's go, team. Oh, sorry about that. Sorry about that big defeat there. The Tampa Bay Thrillers. The Rapid City Thrillers. Rapid City, South Dakota. Where did they play? Uh, one of the many notable players on the team, Keith Smart, played for the Indiana Hoosiers. 
when they won the NCAA tournament, 1987. So they played at the the Monument, formerly, which was at the time known as the Rushmore Plaza Civic Center. So yes, that's the is the monument. That's um, it's the big, it's the big exhibition center in Rapid City that we drove by many times in town. It's ten thousand people. Summit Arena. Okay, is now called the Monument. Alrighty, alrighty. So. Let's see. Let's go back to the list here. Uh, the Florida Beach Dogs, the Toronto Tornadoes, the Pensacola Tornadoes, the Jacksonville Jets, Mississippi Jets, Wichita Falls Texans, the Chicago Rockers, the Lacrosse La Bobcats, uh, Go Montana State Bobcats. Was just texting with my dad about that. Montana State, let's see, they, uh, so Montana State matches up against Kansas State. Kansas State only favored by eight and a half, my dad says. And that game is in Greensboro, North Carolina, so far away for both teams. Gonzaga is playing in Denver, and... They are playing Grand Canyon. So it's kind of a close to Grand Canyon University, which uh, I think that's in Phoenix there. All right. So, yeah, we got March Madness coming up. Haven't even done my bracket. Got to do the bracket. I think the playing game's tomorrow. Tomorrow is Pi Day, 314. Okay. Let's see. Is tomorrow's somehow I'm so I'm so good at memorizing birthdays. I think tomorrow is Steph Curry. Is Steph Curry Pi Day? Oh my God! How did I have that recall? Oh my goodness! <laughs> I just brag about knowing birthdays. It's a it's a special town for sure. It's a special special town. Steph Curry, March fourteenth, nineteen eighty eight. Turns 35 tomorrow. Alright. Chef Curry. Back from injury. What's he done? Let's see. Let's see. Uh, he just came back. He just came back a week ago. Oh, let's see here. You go on over to the game log. And um, he's played four games since he's been back. He has scored 27 in his first one, then 40, 29, and 36. His three-pointers in those games. So first game, 5 for 13. Then 10 for 16. That was against OKC. They lost 137 to 128. Wow. And then 4 for 8. And then 6 for 15. Wow. 
So he has been bombing away from three-point land since his return. Okay. So let's see. What team were we on here? We are on the Bobcats, of course. You got the Utah Eagles. Got the Wilkes-Barre Barons. The Pennsylvania Barons. The Scranton Aces. It's before the office, so they they couldn't do a like the Scranton Michael Scotts or something. It was back in 1980 to 81. Then you had the Wisconsin, the Wisconsin Flyers, the Rochester, Rochester Flyers, the Omaha Racers, and finally the Wyoming Wildcatters. And, wow, tons of different commissioners. Interesting. One of the commissioners, NBA Hall of Famer. Uh, yeah, Basketball Hall of Fame. 19 points per game, 9 assists, 2 steals per game. Two-time NBA champ. Finals MVP in 1990, 12-time All-Star, was commissioner of this league 1999 to 2000, Isaiah Thomas. And what is, what's Zeke doing now? Let's see. He coached the Pacers from 2000 to 03. The Knicks from 06 to 08. I think he had a rough go. We'll look at his record. FIU from 09 to 2012. Um, let's look at his head coaching records. Starting with the Pacers in 2000. 41 and 41. 42 and 40 the next year. 48 and 34. In his final season. Wow. And they lost in the first round all three of those seasons. And then you got two seasons with the New York Knicks. 33 and 49. 23 and 59. Uh, Terrible. Just terrible. And then FIU. 7 and 25, 11 and 19, 8 and 21 in his final go at it. And he's, uh, how old is Zeke? How old? He's, uh, he'll be 62 a week after me. Six days after me. April 30th. All right. So he's he's getting up there in age. He's almost 62. But he's still got some good coaching years left in him, if he wants. But I don't know if his... He'll get hired. That's my prediction. I was going to say, I don't know if his record indicates that... But he'll get... My prediction right now is that... Um, in the next few years... I mean, unless he doesn't want to, you know. He might be doing something else. Uh, but I think if he wants to, then I think he could be 
he has a lot of he also has a lot of controversy in his Wikipedia. But let's just let's just not get into it. Okay, so that's the CBA. That's David Cross. That's Fast Break the movie. We didn't really finish up. Let's just wrap wrap up this summary of the movie Fast Break from 1979. As the impossible matchup becomes a reality, David's team faces... Wait, what was the impossible matchup? We just got to go back here. David and his newly formed quartet head west and immediately set about finding a suitable fifth man among the shallow talent pool of Cadwallader's athletes. He settles on Sam Newton, nicknamed Bull, who makes up in lane-clearing muscle what he lacks in basketball skills. That's a fun way to describe boxing out. A good rebounder. A lane-clearer. Despite the team's cultural differences, David develops Cadwallader into a contender. The team ultimately catches the eyes of Bo Winnegar, head coach of the elite team David must beat in order to make his coaching job a viable proposition. David must find a way to get Winnegar to agree to a game which, as team manager Howard puts it, will be like getting the Ohio State Buckeyes to play football with Radcliffe. Radcliffe must be a tiny school. Nevertheless, after the resourceful coach learns that Bo enjoys billiards, he enlists Hustler in setting up a sting operation that forces Bo to agree to the game. As the impossible matchup becomes a reality, David's team faces even bigger challenges. A hitman has tailed Preacher to Nevada, leaving Preacher to fear for his life as he takes the court. And just prior to tip-off, David makes a deal with a police officer to allow D.C. to play in the big game before answering to the law for his illegal activities. During the game, David's wife and mother show up to share in the realization of his lifelong dream. Alrighty. What about the promotion section? Columbia Pictures employed an unusual strategy to promote the film by sending out a press release that gave the impression that Cadwallader was a real university, complete with phone number and return address in Bunkerville, Nevada. That was presenting honorary degrees to, among others, Vice President Walter Mondale, singer Dolly Parton for her leadership in behalf of women's rights, and businessman Henry Ford II. Only after journalists and state officials began inquiring about the legitimacy of the university and prospective students phoned to inquire about applications. <laughs> wow. People were just applying. Their, it was their safety school. They were, say, they were telling people, if I don't get into Penn, I'm going to Cadwallader. I'm going to try to walk on on the track and field team at Cadwallader. And then um, Columbia admitted their hoax there. Well, I'm happy I looked into that. That was a fun little anecdote. Okay, let's do... uh, 
let's do our Seinfeld here. Let's do our, let's wrap it up here. All right, yep. So, let's see. Mm. Which one are we on here? We are, we are on, we just did the red dot the other day. We're on episode 13 of season three. It's The Subway. Tom Tyrone's director, Larry Charles Ryder, January 8th, 1992. We have made it into 1992. 18.7 million viewers. All righty. Each of the four principal uh, characters has a unique experience during a subway ride. Jerry befriends an overweight nudist. Ernie Sabella is the actor. On his ride to Coney Island, George meets a, an enchanting woman, Barbara Stock, who seduces him, then robs him and handcuffs him to her bed. So he misses his job interview in the process. That's classic George. Kramer gets a horse racing tip and wins big, helping to pay for his car fines. But on his way back, Kramer is about to be menaced by another bidder, only to be saved by a cop posing as a blind violinist. Gosh, that's like a Mad Lib. Elaine misses a lesbian wedding where she was to attend due to train delays, which make her very nervous along with her apparent claustrophobia. Wow, that sounds like a very eventful and... Interesting episode of Seinfeld. Alrighty, let's go watch Seinfeld.